In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fish for people. I love it that we hear this familiar gospel passage. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fish for people. We hear this familiar passage on the same day that we have an Old Testament lesson from the book of Jonah. You remember Jonah, don't you? And the big fish, the whale. Jonah did not seem to want to fish for people at all. But the big fish, the whale, was sure fishing for people. And he caught Jonah. You remember, of course, that Jonah had received the word of the Lord to go prophesy at Nineveh in order to save the people from their evils. But Jonah did not seem to want to save anyone at all. From the town of Joppa, he boarded a boat that was headed in the complete opposite direction from Nineveh. Jonah didn't want the hassle of having to preach truth to people, to bear their anger, and he didn't even want them to change their minds and repent. He fled in the opposite direction. But the truth of God pursued Jonah. Storms tore at the boat. The horrified crew began throwing things off the ship. Jonah realized that it was he, Jonah, who was the cause of the Fuhrer, and Jonah volunteered to be thrown into the sea. So he was. A great fish swallowed Jonah. The Hebrew says, a great fish. It does not say whale, though we suppose the creature had to have been huge. I learned the other day that on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, Michelangelo painted Jonah being swallowed by what looks exactly like a tarpon. A tarpon. Yes, the sporting fish of the Florida and Georgia Hosts, a tarpon, whose, whose scientific name is Megalops, <laughs> big-eyed. Take a look sometime at some photograph of the Sistine Chapel ceiling. It's a tarpon. <laughs> Whatever it was that swallowed Jonah, a great fish, the great deep, a perfect storm, it sure had big eyes and a big inner chamber. Jonah remained alive, but in despair and depressing distress. He was in the depths in the dark night. He was alone, crying out, lamenting from a place he called the belly of Sheol. For three days, he was there in the depths, and strangely, he changed. 
his lament became a song of thanksgiving. And when Jonah comes to his senses, the fish, the deep, hurls Jonah back up and out. Jonah is hurled back to dry land. When Jonah comes to his senses, he does follow the original word of the Lord. He walks to Nineveh and prophesies against them. Just as he had predicted, the people there do repent. They change their mind. And then, as our scripture today so plainly says, Jonah chapter 3 verse 10, God changes his mind. God changes his mind, too, from the evil that he planned to do to them. The Hebrew there, for that word, to change one's mind, is repent. God repented of the evil that he planned to do, Scripture says. Yes, this means, this means that God is known to change his mind. Jesus mentioned Jonah one day when some people asked him, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. Jesus answered them, An evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so for three days and three nights the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth. Says Matthew chapter 12. The sign of Jonah. The sign of Jonah has been lived into by faithful Christians ever since. Thomas Merton even wrote a set of journals with that title. Like Jonah, he said, I find myself traveling toward my destiny in the belly of a paradox. He would learn, like all of us, that only through death to self do we find life? The distress of the belly of Sheol. I know that place as a breathing cavern, a living cavity of empty dark. We all go there. We must go there if we are to be alive. I believe that was actually the place that Jonah feared to go. Not Nineveh. Maybe it was not so much Nineveh that Jonah did not want to visit, but it was the depth of self-investigation and self-knowledge that Jonah did not want to visit. 
but he found himself there anyway. And in that deep, he came to his true self. Just as the prodigal son came to himself while in despair. Just as Jesus spent three days in death and then came to his true self. Just as we say in our funeral liturgy, oh, we go down to the dust, yet even at the grave we make our song, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. We, all of us, go down to the grave. We all go down to the deep, but it is in that deep that we change. We change. Jonah changed his mind. Then the people of Nineveh changed their minds. Then, wonder of wonders, God changed his mind. Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. Yes, even God changes his mind or her mind. The same thing had happened before. When Moses pleaded with Yahweh to save the errant Hebrews after they offered sacrifice to a bull instead of Yahweh, Yahweh wanted to destroy those people and to create a new people, a new offspring from Moses. But amazingly, God, Moses talked God out of it. It's right there in Exodus chapter 32, verse 14. God changed his mind. Scripture says God repented. Changing one's mind is not a bad thing. It is not only a scriptural command, repent, but it is also a scriptural example. Holy people change their minds. God changes his mind. Jonah changes his mind. Jesus even changed his mind a few times. Look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 and following. God does not ask us to do things that God also is not willing to do. I like what George Bernard Shaw said. He said, those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. God is fishing for people and God wants us to fish for people too. When Jonah fell into the depths of the sea, it wasn't a big fish that swallowed him. It wasn't a whale. It wasn't a tarpon. It was God. It was God who swallowed Jonah in that huge deep. Jonah did not die, 
but he came to himself. He discovered himself. He changed. That is the gospel. The gospel is about discovering the truth about ourselves, about others, about the world, and about God. God wants us to go fishing for that truth. Even if it means that we encounter some furious storms, even if we fall out of the boat a few times, even if, even if we get hurled from the boat a few times, we've sure been tossed about in some storms lately, haven't we? The coronavirus storm, the racism storm, the political storm. These storms have thrown us into some new places and they have cast us into some deep and dark, isolated places. We've spent time in the depths of distress like Jonah and like Jesus. If we presume to follow Jesus, we'll end up in many different kinds of places like these. We will journey through despair and death, through the belly of a great fish, through the yawning mouth of God. We will end up changing our minds. We will go through change. And ultimately, we will discover something incredibly beautiful, just as beautiful as 120,000 Ninevites who do not know their right hand from their left. As it says in the last chapter of Jonah, but who are nevertheless saved, those Ninevites are, we will discover the universal salvation of God. God really does catch people, all people. There is no one who is outside the saving reconciliation of God. Not the errant Hebrews wandering in the wilderness, not the Ninevites, not the disobedient prophet Jonah, and not even the tired, grumbling prophet Jonah either, when at the end of that book, Jonah is sitting under a vine, disgruntled and angry that Nineveh had been saved. God saves even that disgruntled Jonah. God fishes for everyone. And God catches us too, no matter who we are. Often we have to spend three days, at least three days, three months, a season, a time, in the bewilderment of chaos and despair and lonely isolation. Often we have to go through the dark night of the soul the depths of self-discovery, 
and God discovery. But God saves us there in the depths. That is the sign of Jonah. The sign of a good fisher person. God pulls us out of the depths. Amen.